Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday afternoon. Here we go with multiple shows per week. It must be the NBA season. Joining us from Memphis, Tennessee, where he's covering the Nets-Grizzlies game tonight is the fabulous Nick Friedel. B, Mr. Lopez, it is always good to be with you. For those of us, for those of you um, watching on YouTube, you'll see that Nick is sitting, even though he's on the road, he's sitting in front of uh, Alabama gear. Do you travel with this and hang it on your hotel room walls? <laughs> I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my cousin's wife, uh, to Charlie, who is a diehard, diehard Alabama fan and represents proudly wherever he goes. No, I am still in mourning over the ridiculous bad calls at the end of the Syracuse Clemson game on Saturday. I wish that it had turned out differently, but they always have Notre Dame this week to, to get them right. Speaking of YouTube, we could promote Tim McMahon's new YouTube show, but I can't remember the name of it is joining us from new Orleans, <laughs> Louisiana. Howdy partners. Our new Orleans writer, our new Orleans based writer, oh. Andrew Lopez. Hello, Andrew. We- you had a busy day already today. I was going to say, can we promote Tim's show that I was already on this morning? His his new oh YouTube. God. He's doubling up on my guests. No, no, no. This Wait, is which Tim? Right now. They both have uh, YouTube shows. It's terrible. I've been on both shows already. I've been, I've been. Oh. It's like, hey, let's just get Lopez out the way early. Look, the Hoop Collective, where we have everybody on from our staff, is my show. Anybody else who does that, I don't know what they're talking about. This is, by the way, I have to say, this is the beginning of our sixth year on the Hoop Collective. Thank wow, you for listening awesome. all these years. Um, Nick couldn't even grow a beard when we first started this show. Andrew, no, I've got great. I still, I, I still can't grow a beard. I've never been Andrew able to. Was, <laughs> Andrew was covering LSU when we started this show. Um, speaking of Louisiana, uh, the Pelicans uh, are off to a two and one start. They had a tough loss to the Utah Jazz on Sunday night. We're going to talk about the Jazz in a minute, and not in that way either, if you can believe it. Um, but the Pelicans are, you know, they lost that game in overtime, Andrew. Yeah. I don't think I take away from the Jazz, but it, I do think it, in, the outcome was somewhat um, impacted by Brandon Ingram going out with a concussion-like symptom and and uh, and Zion going out with a, what are they calling it, posterior, posterior hip. hip contusion. He has a, uh, he's a bruised butt. That's, that's he pretty fell much. On his, he fell on his butt, and he fell hard on his butt, and it hurt, and it looked like it hurt. Can you well, imagine how hard to... Zion had to fall to to really hurt that butt specifically? <laughs> I mean, well, look, it was look, he was he was going up for a, for a big dunk and it looked like it was a breakaway slam. Credit to Jordan Clarkson by the way for not giving up on that play. He makes contact with the ball. That's something Z, that's been rarely said. I was going to say, wow. Z takes a very hard fall and uh hopefully it won't be, you know. Won't he be jumps much. with so much height and force. And the other thing is, is that Tracy McGrady once gave me a dissertation. I think I was hanging out in the green room with Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter once. And they wow. were wow, what a humble brag! Moment for that. Drop. What a humble brag! Wow, that was great. Listen, I if I really it. wanted, if I really wanted to do that stuff, I'd start talking about Scottie Pippen, some of the stuff that he told me. But I will not do that. Um, <laughs> boy. Scotty, Scotty got loose a few times, man. All right. I love Scotty, though. My God, I loved hanging out with them. Um, Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter gave me this dissertation one time about one foot, jumping off one foot and jumping off two feet. And how when they evaluate dunks, one of the first things they look at is 
which foot did he jump off of? Or did he jump off of both feet? Did he jump off his dominant foot or not? Zion d- jumps off of both feet. And so he, he comes up in the air like a freaking pogo stick. And that also means that he's always high off the ground. He doesn't have one leg higher than the other. So when he comes down, he, he's always coming down from a huge distance, which is why you're worried about his knees. Andrew, he blocked that shot. Was that in Charlotte the other night where he blocked that shot? His head was, I saw a real angle. It was last, night. It was was last night. night. It was, yeah, it was, it was last night. It was, uh, I think it was head, like a Kelly Olenek scoop shot. His head was, uh, yeah, at the rim. Right. And his feet were <laughs> equally high. So when that man goes up, he really goes up. Um, but okay. Assuming that he gets past this bruise. Um, I think more importantly, I think the Pelicans are one of the stories of the Western conference so far. They look legit. Tell me, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, who are they playing tomorrow? Or are they playing Dallas? Uh, tomorrow? They're playing the Dallas Mavericks uh, Tuesday night. Uh, they will, I think Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson and Herb Jones all probably be questionable. Maybe all three get a rest night. Then the uh, Brandon could be in concussion protocol by then. Uh, there is still some time left on that clock. They uh, initially ruled him out with a head injury and we're evaluating him for concussion like symptoms. They're trying to see where, where he is. So maybe he misses a few, maybe Z misses one, maybe her misses one. Well, they'll, they'll see, but. All right, so I'm not going to overreact to the Utah loss. Although the jazz did a great job taking, I'm not going to overreact to the game that they might, what what it might happen against Dallas. If those guys are out, I'm going to react to what I saw the first couple games, especially the game in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I'd like you to tell me um, this team, <laughs> we, we, we addressed it briefly last week, but this team looks like it could be pretty good. Very good. As, as long as they compete on the defensive end, I, I will say the one thing, it, obviously Brandon goes out early in that I think he gets hurt in the first quarter uh, against Utah and things kind of started to spiral out of control from there. But as long as they compete on the defensive end, they have a chance to be pretty good. And the one thing I saw was, they, they came out ready against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I was sitting next to Nick, and we, <laughs> we were watching that first quarter. It was 32 to 14, the end of the first quarter. And, you know, it, it, was, it was just, okay, this, this team can be really good. Offensively, this team is not going to have a problem. They are never going to have a problem um, as long as they are healthy. Even, with, even without Brandon and Z, they go on a – 22 to three run against Utah to take the lead in the fourth quarter uh, before they, they kind of lost a little bit of steam there in overtime. So they are offensively just everything we thought they would be. Um, Just when you think it's a big three and it's CJ and Brandon and Zion JV goes out and drops 30 uh, against the Hornets with, with their more traditional big. So they have a lot of different things that they can throw at you. And I think as long as they compete on the defensive end, and that's a, that's going to be the key for them all year. They can be a very, very good team. Um, offensively, it's it's going to be what we thought. They put up what one thirty uh, averaging. The now they did get a they did get an overtime to goose that number a little bit against the Jazz, but they're averaging one hundred twenty five points a game. So. And and I think they really they only scored like five or six points in overtime. It wasn't like they scored a bunch. It was uh, not. It was not a high quality overtime from no. the side. I watched it. <laughs> no, so. The offense is going to be there. It's 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 just a matter if the defense is going to be there. Also, I want to point out in that opening game against Brooklyn, who we're going to talk about in a minute with Mr. Friedel, they got up 102 
shots in that game. Uh, in the game against Utah, which they lost, they and again, it was overtime, so they also got off 102 shots. I think they had 89 against Hornets. Yeah. Um, A lot more foul calls rem- against the Hornets to, to kind of negate some okay. field goal attempts. Just remember that the guy who's running the organization, David Griffin, if you trace back his roots, his roots are in the seven seconds or less Suns. That was where he was for many years. Um, that's why Mike D'Antoni is a coaching. Uh, what's his title, Andrew? Uh, coaching consultant kind of right. shows up at training camp, shows up when they play in Texas, and then maybe some other good trips that he okay. wants to be on. But he's, you know, he's, you know, <laughs> right. He, maybe he'll go on that. They're about to go on a tough road trip, but this is what I'm getting to. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't care what happens on Tuesday if they lose that game, whatever, but they go the next four games after that. Um, I think at they play both LA teams, they play Phoenix, and then they come home and play Golden State. Correct. So roughly seven, eight days from now, um, we're gonna have a good feel. Hopefully Ingram and uh, and Zion are back. Um, but their their base, their basis is you know, the, the guy who runs a team wants to play fast, and that seems to be what they're doing. Yeah, and Willie Green figured that out. Uh, looking back at numbers, he's talked about this several times. Uh, in the preseason, he he's kind of figured out that they have when they shot between 16 and 24 seconds on the shot clock, they were, they were very good last year. And we kind of looked at those numbers and it kind of backs it up. Uh, so they've been practicing with a 16 second shot clock in in training. Well, uh, they were doing that in training camp and they they did that, uh, have been doing that at times. So talked to CJ McCollum about it and he said, look, it's it's kind of difficult. You're you're you know, you're bringing the ball up and then you look up and oh, it's 12 seconds to get in your set and, and get moving. But it, it's getting them to play faster. And I think while they're, they're doing that, the other big key. So 16 one, seconds or less, the, yes. the, 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 the book that you're going to write after they win the title will be 16 seconds or less, not yes. seven seconds or less. Exactly. Okay. So the other thing is, this is just a ridiculous offensive rebounding team. They were already really good without Zion. Two years ago, they were the best team in the league. The team behind them was the Memphis Grizzlies. You took the center off of that team, the number two team, Jonas Valanciunas, and put him with Zion, and they are just annihilating teams on the offensive glass. I think they still have like a 40. It's above 40 on their offensive rebounding percentage so far. The big thing against the, the Nets was they well, had 36 uh, seconds. Valanciunas, I don't, I'm not sure this is going to last. He's averaging six offensive rebounds. He's averaging well, six offensive rebounds a game. I will say some of the offensive. There was a a, a a a set last night where he literally, I think, he got four offensive rebounds in the same possession because he was just tipping it in. That's his thing. But so Why he'll ball. get he'll get a few ball. of those a game where he's playing. He's going to get tips and do that. But I, I mean, I don't know if they sustain forty percent, but they are going to just annihilate you on the offensive glass. And I think that is kind of where. Uh, this team is very, very scary. Then they get they get out. They're, they're not really taking that many threes. I think they took a lot of threes against Utah, but again, Brandon's out, Zion's out for you know uh, the final 13, 14 minutes or whatever, whatever it was. But um that that's where I think that I've they're just gonna crush you in the paint. They're gonna be okay with taking a lot of mid-ranges, and, and then they'll hit the three when it's there. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket 
with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Nick, you got to see him in the opener. Um, got to see Zion for the first time in a while. He took 22 shots in the paint that night. Now, I don't know how often he's going to get 22 shots in the paint. But um, he is, you know, showing some interesting, you know, and interesting stuff after being out for a year. He's awesome. And Andrew and I were sitting there, and that's all I kept saying was this yep. guy is awesome. Can confirm. And the, the <laughs> juxtaposition of watching Zion, who hadn't played in over a year, and Ben Simmons, who hasn't played in like a year and a half, was really something because Zion looked like he just hit the ground literally running and doing whatever he wanted offensively, and the Nets didn't have an answer. And Ben Simmons looks like he's got a lot of rust in his game that he's going to have to knock off. And to the point about uh, the the amount of shots they were getting and the possessions, and Andrew noted the shot clock that they practice with the Pelicans do, what it reminds me of, guys, is – like one of these college football offenses where you get the the run and gun, either coordinator or coach in there, and all they're trying to do the whole game is just run you. And they have the guns offensively to do it. Zion is an absolute superstar if he stays healthy. But it was really something interesting. And, B, you've covered the, the league longer than both of us. The stars always know. And in the lead-up to that New Orleans game, KD, while he's saying Zion's one of one, incredible player, yep. looking forward to seeing him. He's also saying in the same breath, they also have Brandon Ingram, who he loves, and CJ McCollum, who he loves. So we could talk about Herb Jones and the defense that he gives his team and the pace they want to play with under Willie Green. All well and good, but they have three offensive weapons that can get seemingly whatever they want whenever they want it. And that was Kevin's point, and I think that was really crucial when you're trying to see not only what the Pelicans are now, but what they could continually build upon throughout the year and be in the postseason. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm close to issuing an edict. I'm going to say this for a few weeks, and I probably won't do it, but I'm close to issuing an edict banning Laker talk until they're relevant. Please. Um, God. I, <laughs> but I have enough to say, on the Lakers. I don't, even want to, um, I don't even want to mention the Lakers. They're horrible. Well, you just you did, you said it twice. I, so I'm um, done. There you go. 
Um, I do, I do think it's relevant to talk about the Laker game Sunday night, only to say that Dame Lillard, who I did, was a little bit worried about in the preseason, because he's coming off the the uh, the abdominal surgery and he just he didn't look good. He didn't play that much in the preseason, but he shot the ball really poorly. He's had back to back forty point games and he just got named Player of the Week. That's what I would be talking about coming out of the Laker game. But I do think it's important to point out, um, uh, Andrew, that the Pelicans own the Lakers pick swap this year. Yeah, um, one of my favorite things on on Twitter so far has been Laker fans who think, "Oh, okay, we can we'll, we'll just be bad this year. We'll tank for Wimbenyama, and then then it's Pelican fans who are quick to uh, to get in there and remind them that you you cannot tank for Victor. Right, it's you, an unprotected pick to. swap. Um, I'm fairly certain I should have checked before I say this and I'll probably get it. This will probably run. I'll get a text from Bobby Marks. Fairly certain you can trade that swap. Um, and one of the things that I've talked about as I've evaluated this team throughout the league is because I think that, you know, we're, I think we're going to see some maneuvering this year. When I judge how, how teams are going to be, I think about, um, what they can do in the season to improve. Now the, the Pelicans are fairly deep. Um, but the interesting thing about them is they have some tradable contracts. Um, although less since they extended guys like, like Larry Nance would have been one they extended him, but they have Devontae Graham, um, who, you know, they have extra guards, um, and they have extra first round picks that they own beyond theirs. And they have that pick swap, which would be extremely valuable. So, I'm not saying they're going to trade it. I'm just saying yeah. that. I would, I would uh, highly, I think they like, they like that positioning right now. Well, in, a, in the <laughs> Wemby Yama draft, I agree, but I'm just saying like, not only are the Pelicans, um, you know, in, in, in have good depth and everything like that, but I mean, they're right. upwardly mobile with what they can do. The only thing about the Pelicans is spending. They've never been a tax paying team. And so I don't think you're going to see, um, them necessarily take on a whole bunch more money. They're kind of up against it when they, uh, uh, but there was a reason why that Durant was mentioned about the Pelicans when, um, yeah. and I mean, I would not trade Brandon Ingram. I would not trade Brandon Ingram for Kevin Durant. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, so if that was, but I'm just saying there was a reason why the Pelicans were mentioned as a, as a possible Durant location, because not only, because they're just, not only do they have the, the, uh, the team that Durant might be want to play for, but they have the ammunition to do a trade. So I think that's relevant. All right, the Brooklyn Nets. Now, they play tonight against the Grizzlies, so we're going to be behind the eight ball a little bit on this. We're going to be behind the folks listening to this podcast. They're going to know what happened in that game, and we don't know right now. That's the nature of a daylight pod. We're sorry. Nick, I want to point something out, though, and I know that we've played one week, small sample size, et cetera, et cetera, but I want to say that the Nets ranked 28th in defense the first uh, seven days of the season, first three games. Um, this was their biggest Achilles heel last year. It was the reason why their, 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 their championship odds were preposterous all year long. It was their Achilles heel when they did get to the postseason. Um, tell me that their defense is going to improve. Uh, I know that their shooting is going to improve. They did not shoot the ball well in the preseason. They have not shot the ball great so far, but Joe Harris is back, and you would hopefully at some point Seth Curry is going to come back. 
What about their defense? Because that's the big red letter as far as I can see right now. I can't sit here and tell you that it's going to improve that much. I think they've got to build chemistry, B, and that only comes with playing together. And that is a huge part of learning what Simmons wants to do on the floor, getting everybody to buy in. Nick Claxton has had a nice couple games, but, I mean, my gosh, if he gets into any kind of foul trouble. Again, Andrew and I watched it. If Nick Claxton goes down on this Nets team, goodbye, (laughs) because they just don't have uh, that other piece down low. But I don't see the Nets being able to develop at a defensive level to a point where you can think they can legitimately contend for a title. I think they can win a lot of regular season games. They're going to be much better than what we've seen to this point on top of getting Harris back fully, getting Seth Curry back on the floor. Kevin and Kyrie have a great chemistry between them, and they're going to learn each other. But, B, you and I talked about this before the season. The only way that the Nets can turn things down the road to me is by making a deal. Is that Miles Turner? Is that somebody else? Who knows? But I can't sit here not only watching the preseason, watching these first couple games in the regular season, and tell you that the defense is going to improve to a level where you feel like they can legitimately make it happen in the postseason. I don't think they have the parts right now to do that, although I'm waiting to see what Simmons looks like a couple months from now compared to where he is in the moment. How come... Is is how come Ben Simmons hasn't made more of an impact? Because he looks right now like the player who we saw at the end of his time in Philadelphia. That's probably the best answer that I could give. Tim Lagler talked about it the other night on SportsCenter after that first game. He just does not look comfortable offensively at all. He wants no part, no part of any kind of jump shot. And and we're not even talking about a three-point shot. We're talking about anything that's not a couple feet from the rim. And he has no desire to go to the free throw line. So you're taking a player who is incredibly talented, but is so limited in what he's able to provide right now. I do think his confidence will improve the more he plays. And that's why anybody who says, oh, we're never going to see the old Simmons I don't agree with that so much yet because he's the first one to point out. He's only played six games in a year and a half. Yeah. So let's give it a little bit more time. But the reason why Simmons hasn't shown more and the Nets haven't been able to do more with him on the floor is because his confidence right now is not where they need it to be if they want to be one of the better teams in the East. Yeah, he, maybe he'll take six free throws tonight, but he's, he's so far this season he's taken two free throws. And he missed them both. Ideal. Um, yeah, I, and again, I, I've said this. I don't care if he doesn't take a shot outside the paint the whole year. I seriously don't. I would say the same thing about Zion, by the way. I know early in his career it was like take threes. I don't know where they are with this, Andrew. I know they've got their, their shooting coach, Fred Vincent, who is well-known for helping shots. Honestly, he's so good inside the paint. I would say, Zion, you don't have to shoot outside. He, um, he, uh, he does have – you mentioned the 22 shots in the paint in the first game against the Nets. He followed that up with, I think, 19 against Charlotte and 16 uh, 
against the Jazz. So 57 shots so far this season. Every shot, every shot has been in the paint so far. Love it. Ben Simmons, watch the game film. I honestly don't care if Ben Simmons even scores that much, but Ben Simmons has got to be awesome defensively. He's got to be able to guard one through five. He's got to be able to defend the rim. He's got to be able to pick balls off the the, the backboard and start fast breaks running Um, because he is a great passer in transition. Um, in fact, his, his rim, you know, his, uh, his outlet passing is an underrated skill of his, um, like, honestly, I don't care if he averages less than 10 points a game, they shouldn't need offensive help. He's got to be a defensive playmaker. He's got to use his hands to get into passing lanes. He's got to be the guy who, when another, uh, perimeter score is going off that they put him on him and make it hard. Like that's got to be his role. That's where he's going to earn his money. He doesn't have to be an all-star uh, offensive player. He needs to be what Herb Jones is for the Pelicans, um, yeah. who who works so hard and has such great range. But he's so much stronger than Herb Jones, and he should be even more versatile in such a way as Friedel. And so, um, I all I've seen from Ben Simmons defensively the first few games is fouling. Now again. I don't know what's going to happen tonight. And the, the, um, the Grizzlies are a little banged up right now, especially with their bigs. So we'll see. But um, I haven't seen it yet. And the key with what you just mentioned with Simmons is he continues to be in foul trouble. He fouled out a preseason game in Minnesota about a week ago, <laughs> like 12 or 13 minutes. I've never even seen that. I, I don't even know. See, I've seen it in summer league. Uh, right. I mean, uh, uh, Montrez Harrell did it in preseason. He was a, a he fouled out a minute sooner, which is pretty incredible. But that list is not long. And in that first game, Andrew and I were at when the Nets played the Pelicans, fouled out really quickly. His timing 20, 22, 23 minutes. Yeah, it was it was rough. He's so, averaging a foul so far. And again, we're in we're in sample size, you know, minutia right now. But he's averaging one foul every seven minutes so far. It, and the timing's not there. There's a lot of rust. But again, B, I, I think the offense is going to help set up his defense. And I'm with you. He doesn't need to go jack up threes that he's not going to make or even take 18-footers that he also probably isn't going to make. What he needs to do is be able to run what they need offensively and get other people open and create easier looks for everybody else. He's shown that in very small glimpses to this point, but I think that will help him get more comfortable on the other end as well. It's just the Nets don't have a lot of time with the way their schedule is set up to wait that long because while we're taping this prior to the Memphis game, Wednesday, they play Milwaukee. Thursday, they come home and play Luka and the Mavs. Uh, In about a week, Week and a half, they go on a West Coast swing, and they've got a bunch of games that you look at and go, oh, I mean, I don't know. They've got back-to-back well, home games against the Pacers, and they, they play the Kevin Wizards. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That should help, right? I, right? It should. Right? It should. <laughs> but they don't have the type of softball schedule that they might have, weirdly, because the league was holding out hope that Kevin Durant was going to stay or go or do whatever he was going to do. And their <laughs> schedule got all thrown around because 
now they have all these national TV games that were supposed to be that aren't, and they've got a really tough November with a lot of road games that are going to be difficult for them for a team that's still trying to learn itself together. It's obviously super early for them. They've got injuries. They've got the Simmons uncertainty. Um, but, you know, seeing them give up 130 on opening night wasn't good. And then they got beat at home. And then they, then they won a game at home. Who they beat at home? They beat Toronto. And Toronto, it is Toronto, worth noting right. in that game, in the last couple minutes, they reverted to what we saw throughout the second half of last season. Kevin, ISO. He's Kevin Durant, so he hits an unbelievable shot. Kyrie, ISO, he hits an unbelievable shot. Toronto forced, Nick Nurse forced Kyrie to give up the ball late in that game. He passed it to a wide open Royce O'Neal, who had been one for six. Royce O'Neal nailed the shot. Now, can he do that over and over again? Time will tell. But that was not a play that we would have seen last season and certainly not a make that occurred that often for Brooklyn. So that was a good sign. But when you start pairing up what they have top to bottom on the roster right now and what these other teams have, whom they're going to face in the next couple of weeks, it's not great for them. All right. We'll be monitoring that tonight. I'm going to be seeing how that how that game is. Uh, see how they defend Ja. <laughs> Let's see how they defend Ja. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now is the time in the show where we say, what the bleep is going on in Utah? Why? 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 Why would they do that? Very strange trait. Why? Would you do that? Uh, <laughs> the Jazz are now. The Jazz play tonight. Okay, so when we have to aster, asterisk asterisk this again, they play the Rockets, who are zero and three. Um, it is the second night of a back to back, though. After an all, after a, a third game of a road trip, after an all an overtime game. So I'm not sure what we're going to see tonight. Um, but obviously, the Jazz have been one of the surprises. Probably the biggest surprise in the first week. Yeah. Um, and you saw them in New Orleans uh, last night, Andrew, um, uh, where they won a game on a Kelly Olenek scoop shot <laughs> off a broken play. It was a pretty rem- remarkable uh, way to win a game. It kind of summed it up. The, 
they won the uh, couple days before in overtime in Minnesota, uh, where they uh, sort of survived that one. Um, what were you? What we? What? What were your takeaways from watching them? Uh, you know, sort of the team of the week, three and zero out of the gates. First of all, on that final possession that ended with the Olenek scoop shot, it was a great play design uh, by Will Hardy to send the crossing guys and and basically force because the Pelicans had trade Herb Jones had found out at this point. So your best defender is off the floor. Also, there's no JV, there's no Brandon, and there's no Z on the floor. So your four year starters are out if you're New Orleans at this point. Um, but you have Trey Murphy and Najee Marshall who are going to going to be there and they force like a like a three-way switch that leaves cj on kelly olenic and kelly olenic was kind of be able to just use his size to get that scoop shot so one that was a great play designed by them to to force that switch and get where they get the matchup that they wanted out of that but it was a team that just plays hard and they are going to just do that i think all year and i think does is that going to mean they're going to have a winning record i i don't know but I don't. Uh, I think eventually, you know, you will regress to the mean of what I think everybody thinks they were going to be this year. But you you coming out with Laurie Market and basically playing the three, a role that he got I think a lot more comfortable in in, in Cleveland last year. Vanderbilt's guarding, you know, the the top uh, interior guy on there. He was he was mostly drawing the, the Z assignment uh, for for most of the game last night. Olenek can still shoot. Jordan Clarkson is just he is uncon he's he has no conscience when it comes to shooting. So he's just gonna let a, bu- a bunch of things fly. You're bringing Sexton off the bench. It, it, I mean, the the bones are there. And as if this team is just going to try to play hard every night, where some teams, and maybe, maybe that is what happened in these three games. So Larry Nance said it last night. I, I asked him, what what was the difference in the first half before you guys came back in the second half? And you all played harder than us. They were ready to play and we weren't. And, and maybe that's the key for them early in the season is seeing teams, you know, you it's an early season game. You're trying to, okay, maybe I can still rest here and, and buy a first quarter or two. And, and you can't, I mean, they're, they're just going to come out um, and play hard every night. And I think that's what, what kind of stood out the most to me, aside from the fact that they have a bunch of guys who can, who can just score. Lori looked really good last night. I wonder how much, how he played in Eurobasket is is kind of bleeding into the season so far. He he just looks this, very confident so so far. Yeah, I asked some people who are close to him about this. Actually, did you know was it Eurobasket because he was the star for Finland in Eurobasket? Yeah. We talked a little bit about it. First off, he looks pretty cut too, but it's kind of like uh, when the sun is shining, yeah, everything looks a little nicer. Like. I checked and he's, his his weight isn't actually that much different. He looks like his arms are are like more cut, but um, he he may be slightly a little bit heavier with muscle, but it's not significant. And um, uh, and I asked about that. I said, is this a product of the Eurobasket or whatever? And so the thing I was told was that you know a, you know a thing for European players coming to the NBA is fit. You know where they go. And obviously he's fit in Chicago was not great last year in Cleveland. Um, his stats were about the same. Um, but remember they had a bunch of guys who they were going, um, they were, you know, featuring over him, but he played small forward yeah. and it was, it was kind of considered laughable. Like how can you have this seven footer 
I don't know if he's listed at seven feet or six eleven, but how can you have this seven footer, um, you know, play there? And you know, like he got, oh, he got torched occasionally, but there were also games where he did okay, you know. And so his scoring in Cleveland last year, he averaged fifteen points. He shot forty four percent. His three point shooting was you know, down four points from his last year in Chicago. It wasn't like, oh man, he was really gearing up. But from what I am told, he just, you know, he didn't feel comfortable in Chicago. He felt a little bit more comfortable in Cleveland. That made his outlook improve. And he was more assertive when he played for Finland and he feels really comfortable in Utah. And I don't know. I mean, you know, that could be related to the fact that he's on a team with no expectations. You know, he was traded for Jimmy Butler. So he was, you know, come in to be expected to be a dominating force in um you know in uh, in chicago and people were always underwhelmed they always thought he should have been better than he was even in his second year um when he averaged like 19 and 9 uh there was this expectation he was going to get better and he really didn't and the chicago team you know you know you covered those teams a little bit nick right i mean that's people were always underwhelmed by him there very much so and they thought that he was going to be the difference maker in that deal I just want to take a moment to let a, another person who's usually on this podcast know that you and I were absolutely right so far about Lowry marketing. And he's not terrible. He's not terrible. He's pretty good, actually, so far. <laughs> so let's just let that sink in and marinate for a moment because marketing in this first week or two and coming off what he did over the summer has been the kind of player that the Bulls thought he could that the Cavs were hoping he would be when they they signed him. And now with zero expectations, he's found a role in a place that needs him to be more of that alpha player that all these other teams were hoping to see. So uh, I think the, the fit for him is important right now. I just don't buy that Utah with Danny Ainge and, and the horde of picks that he has is going to allow this team to win and win and win. Well, I don't even think it'll come to that. I think what Andrew said, I think especially early in the season, if you play hard and you're in better shape, which the Jazz look like they're in good shape, and part of it is that they're younger, and certainly Markinen is. He came off playing Eurobasket. Um, I think that it can make a difference. I don't think this team is headed for some surprise playoff run. Um, but I do think that you know Lowry's play is – is worth he's worth noting i mean he's averaging 24 points we'll see if that lasts i also point out jordan clarkson now this is something to watch um you know jordan clarkson is a guy who's been in and out of trade talks now this is a like i think they're holding on to lowry marketing yeah, i think they're jordan holding clarkson on is gone are you kidding me he will <laughs> right. be long gone well, and i think jordan clarkson i think i don't know but i suspect jordan clarkson is trying to play in a way that hastens that maneuver. He, he has never, I don't think he's, let me just look here. He's, he's basically averaged two assists in his, his career assists per game is 2.6. He's averaged two and a half the last two years. He's, he averaged three one time uh, back when he played half a Lakers season um, in 2017, 18, he averaged three assists. He's averaging six assists almost again. We'll see what happens tonight in Houston. I don't know. Um, he's averaging six assists, um, per, per game. His usage rate is down. So that means he's actually getting the ball less, but distributing it more. Um, he's shooting 
again, three games. He's shooting better. He's on a hot streak uh, shooting from the outside. Um, but he's like totally playing with maximum effort. He's totally playing under control. He's like, Andrew's like on his best behavior. <laughs> um, because I think he would love to have an opportunity to go someplace that's not in a full rebuild. And I think the Jazz would love him to get good value. So I think they're getting um, uh, best behavior, Jordan Clarkson, so far. I think that's uh, also uh, making a factor. Down the stretch last night, though, he he just looked like uh, he might want to stay because he gets everything he wants down the stretch of a game. Everything was running through Jordan Clarkson last night. Laurie had, I think, 29 points. Up to a certain point, I think he finished with 31. And up to a certain point, Lori just disappeared late. And it was it became the Jordan Clarkson show. It was a nice little CJ Jordan Clarkson duel for, who for a little while that? there. It was who doesn't who doesn't tune in for that? NBA Great. basketball, it's fantastic. It was look, some of the shots were questionable at uh at best, <laughs> but I think um but there were some of them were going in, especially I mean the one that you know, the Pels kind of knew who was taking the last shot going into overtime when uh, when Utah had a shot. But, like, it was – if he, is he showcasing himself? Maybe. I What he liked to probably get out and, and be on a contender. I think everybody wants to be on a contender at this point. But I think he's going to enjoy this process while he's, uh, while he's still there. Well, so Clarkson has uh, a player option for next year, I believe, uh, for $14.2 million. So – He's a candidate for an extension if he were to get traded. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I don't know for sure. Obviously, you know, Mike Conley, who has a partial guarantee, I think he's guaranteed seven or eight million of 24 million next year. That's a harder, I think, one to trade. But I think if you're looking at tradable assets, you're looking at definitely Jordan Clarkson. Um, Malik Beasley, who had a terrific second half against his old team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, over the weekend, he has a attractive team option for sixteen and a half million next year. Um, that's an attractive player as well. Um, Rudy Gay, not as much. He's got a six and a half million dollar player option for next year. But um, you know, those are the guys I think you're you're looking at possibly getting traded. Um, um, you know, and. I don't think it's so much that the jazz are not going to let this team, you know, uh, you know, win and when, you know, that I can't let them win too many games and, and mess up the Wembenyama. I think they're going to lose plenty of games, but I think if you're going to win in the early part of the season, you're going to engage your fan base. You're going to build up your head coach. You're going to give your players an opportunity to see what your head coach is doing is working. And you're going to uh, build the value of your players. I mean, that's what they should be doing. And eventually they're going to start losing. So um, but it's a terrific start for them. And, you know, they're probably not going to have, um, too many, um, you know, great weeks this season. And I, I don't want to, you know, denigrate them at all. Maybe they will have some, um, I don't think they're going to win, you know, 12 games. I don't think they're going to win 32 either. So, um, but it was, you know, I watched the end of their games against Minnesota and new Orleans and they did some good things under pressure. <laughs> you know, Will Hardy drew up some good stuff and look, Will Hardy. I mean, he was under Popovich for years. That's where he trained. Um, he was, a, a, you know, he was on the coaching staff for Team USA. Um, 
and did some good stuff there. I mean, for, he's young. He's the youngest coach in the league, but he has a good resume. And, of course, he was in Boston last year where he was Ime Udoka's lead assistant. Um, so, you know, like there, there's a lot of, you know, belief that he could be a, one of the league's best young coaches or, you know, have a real good, um, you know, chance to be a coach. It, it's, he's kind of reminiscent of Brad Stevens, um, sort yeah. of young who was also experienced uh, and a tactician, uh, a guy who was known for, you know, tremendous, you know, play design and stuff like that. And who hired Brad Stevens in Boston, Danny Ainge, who hired Will Hardy in, in Utah, Danny Ainge. They, he, I think there's some of the same attributes. And by the way, Brad Stevens drew up some really good stuff his first year in Boston they were in a full rebuild and they stunk. <laughs> and you could see that, that Brad Stevens had good promises as a coach. And you could see that their team was uh, rather obviously in a full rebuild move. And I think you'll see the same thing here in Utah, but he, you know, give them their due for sure. Um, oh, before we go, Andrew, you had some update, I think uh, on uh, Brandon yes. Ingram, uh, just Brandon to clean Ingram. it up, it will be old news by this time, but just to clean it up. from Brandon earlier. Ingram has just been placed in concussion protocol, uh, according to the New Orleans Pelicans. Remember, they originally announced that as a head injury, uh, and he was being evaluated for concussion-like symptoms. When we spoke to Willie Green at around noon on Monday, which was still uh, in the time frame where they could put him in protocol, Willie Green said that at the moment... Uh, Brandon was not in protocol, and now uh, here three three thirty central on on Monday, Brandon has been placed into protocol. So they have to uh, now he has to clear that before he is able to play. I think the hope may still be that they could possibly get him back for uh, one of those LA games next week. Um, yeah. Dallas, yeah, Phoenix he can't, on he Friday. Can't rush the protocol. It's too so, bad too because. It was friendly fire injury, right? Yes. Najee, Najee Marshall was the guy who hit him in the nose and Basically didn't look, punched him in the face. Accidentally, yes. And right? it didn't really look, they were both going up for a, a deep, an errant deep Utah pass. Um, didn't really look like much at first. He kind of just got him like right on the bridge in the nose. It could, at first it could seem like maybe it was even a broken nose or anything. Brandon did get back in the game. He said he was fine. And then, then got back out there and and could tell that something was wrong and immediately checked himself out. And let's, they, they let's put it this process. way. We've seen more violent punches in the NBA so far this season <laughs> than that yes. one. Yes, we have. And uh it's kind of funny because Najee might be his might be his best guy on the team. Him, him, Najee and Jose, they that that's the kind of the one of the groups. Yeah. So the fact that Najee kind of did it to him, I'm sure I'm sure Najee's hearing so, that right now. We'll see how um We'll see how the Pelicans handle this little injury uh, thing early in the season. All right. Thank you, Nick Friedel. Enjoy Memphis Nets tonight. Thank you, Andrew Lopez, for keeping us updated on the Pelicans. Thank you to our producers, Jackson and Bruce. We will be with you with two guys. I can't remember their names. I usually have them around at the end of the week and talk ah, to you on ah, Friday. My name? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, Brian? <laughs> ah, ah. One, of them, one of them is easily imitatable, I've heard. Uh, the other one's a Texan. Have a have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? <laughs> 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash hoop.